Podcast. My name is Nelson, and I'm flying solo this week, doing another EDH deck tech here. Uh, my audio quality may be different than what we're used to. I am currently in an undisclosed uh, underground bunker of a basement here um, until my wife and I are able to close on our house, and I've got all my normal recording equipment, and we get back up and running uh, the way we, we normally are. So uh, bear with me this week, um, but uh, put up a little poll uh, a few days ago. And it looks like Talrand beat out Mogus uh, for the Commander deck tech you guys wanted to hear. So this deck, I'm going to tell you right now, is extremely budget-friendly. I believe it's about $64, give or take, right now. Um, all said and done, including all the lands, you know, everything. So for a Commander deck, you know, that's uh, it's not the cheapest, but it's, it's, it's pretty cheap. Uh, I've got a few cards in here that if you wanted to lower the price, uh, you could uh, by removing them and, and putting in, like, an even more budget alternative. But that's what we've got right now. Um, I came up with the idea for this deck reading an article, I believe it was on EDH rec and it was, a um, a Talrand article where counter spells were not the focus, right? So if you know anything about Talrand and how he's played, uh, obviously with the mono blue deck, if you really want to be the pain in the ass at the table, you can counter spell everything. Everybody's going to play and it's going to create a lot of drakes off of Talrand for you. I wanted to do a cheap build uh, that didn't counter everything. Obviously we, we, we run some, right? It'd be foolish not to, uh, but that's not the goal. Um, you know, of, of this game. The goal of this game is more cantrips, card draw, and just continually recycling our deck. So we'll get into that as we go into the individual cards, but we'll start off first with the commander. Again, that's Tauren Sky Summoner. Uh, for two and two blue, you get a two, two uh, legendary merfolk wizard. And whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create a two, two blue Drake creature token with flying. So obviously what we want to do, and it's obviously very easy to do in blue, is constantly spam the board with sorceries, and, or not the board, but the game, right? We're going to keep slamming sorceries and instants so that we're constantly triggering Talrin, and we can get a big army of drakes that allow us to go over the top and, and eventually swing in for the win. So how do we do that? What is the deck, and what does it consist of? Uh, this deck runs 36 lands, uh, and we've got a bunch of cycling lands in here to kind of help us, you know, cycle through drawing if we need to. If we're, if we're thin on mana, then then we've got options, too, if we need it. So the first land is Desert of the Mindful. This uh, Desert of the Mindful enters tapped, and it adds one blue mana, or it cycles for a generic and a blue. So again, it's it's access to blue mana, but it allows us to um, get rid of it and, and draw a card off of it. We run 31 basic islands, so there are plenty of, of basics in here. Uh, run a copy of Lonely Sandbar, which also enters the battlefield tapped, and taps for blue. This one cycles for one blue. Myriad Landscape is in here. It enters the battlefield tapped and taps for a colorless, or you can tap two, tap it, and crack it to search your library for up to two basic land cards that share a land type. Put them onto the battlefield tapped and then shuffle your library. So here we'd be pulling any two of our 31 islands. Uh, we run a copy of Mystic Sanctuary, which I think is really underrated in many different decks. I, I, I really like this card. It's from the common land cycle from Throne of Eldraine. And I, there's just something about this card that I love so, so much. Um, it, it enters the battlefield tapped unless you control three or more other islands. So that's a bigger, that, that's why this is that common, right? It's a harder, um, uh, what do I want to say? Uh, requirement to fulfill necessarily. Uh, and then when it enters the battlefield untapped, you may put target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard on top of your library. So if there's a spell we want to get back, this is a great way to be able to do that. And the last, uh, number 36 here, as far as lands are concerned, is Remote Isle. This enters the battlefield tapped and taps for a blue. 
and cycles for two generic mana. So again, we run 31 basic lands and then some combination of either the fetch that we can do with the myriad landscape if we want, or the cycling through the handful of other cycle lands we have in here. This deck is, is light on creatures compared to some EDH decks because uh, when, when we look at creatures for this deck specifically, we're looking at generating tokens. So we don't need a ton of creatures in the deck proper as much as we need a lot of instants and sorceries. So we've got 10 creatures and a combination of instant and sorceries that total 43. So that's where we're really looking to get our value from. Uh, as far as the creature base is concerned, though, First creature in this deck, Archetype of Imagination. It's a 3-2 human wizard for 4 and 2 blue. This is an enchantment creature. And uh, it says, creatures you control have flying. Creatures your opponents control lose flying and can't have or gain flying. So this particular creature uh, pairs very well with another creature that we're going to get to shortly. Uh, you're going to see that synergy there and why these two are so important together in this deck specifically. The next creature is one that I don't see run very often, and it was one that was in the article I had mentioned before, and I thought, wow, this is really one that I want to get in here uh, and be able to abuse, because I don't, I've never seen it played against me, so I don't think a lot of people think about it or see it coming, and it's just a fun little quirk, uh, wrinkle added to the game because of what this, this creature does. So that is Guile, which is a 6-6 six, six elemental incarnation for 3 and 3 blue. It cannot be blocked except by three or more creatures, but we don't necessarily want to be attacking with Guile. I mean, we can, right? But what we really want it for is this next part. If a spell or ability you control would counter a spell, instead remove that spell from the game and you may play that card without paying its mana cost. When Guile is put into a graveyard from anywhere, shuffle it into its owner's library. So we got a really easy way with, with the, the things you'll see later that allow us to shuffle our graveyard back into our library and, and help shuffling. We got really good ways to get Guile moved around uh, and hopefully back out if, if we lose it, right? Uh, but again, if a spell or ability you control would counter a spell, remove that spell from the game and you may play that card without paying its mana cost. So if you've got counter spells in your hand, and Guile on the board, you can really pick and choose what you want to essentially steal from your opponent. So it's just a fun little wrinkle that not many people are going to see coming. I really like it in this deck. It works very, very well. Uh, I can I can tell you that from experience. This deck is a ton of fun to play, and I hope that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear when this is all said and done what you guys think about it, and if anybody else has a build of Towerind uh, that they really like. I just think he's such a unique, interesting, uh, fun commander. Next creature in the list is Murmuring Mystic. Of course, you got to have one of these in a Towering deck, right? It is a 1-5 human wizard for 3 and a blue. Uh, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create a 1-1 one, one blue bird illusion creature token with flying. So if we can get the Mystic out with Towering and we're just spamming spells all across the game left and right, we're getting a 2-2 two, two, and a 1-1 one, one token for each spell that we're casting. So uh, the value there is, is very, very good. The next creature that I run in this deck is Nyad of Hidden Coves. So this is a 2-3 Nymph, also an enchantment creature, for 2 and a blue. And as long as it's not your turn, spells you cast cost 1 generic mana less to cast. So this just lets us play things for cheaper and maybe get an extra spell or two in on our opponent's turns because of the way that he decreases casting costs. So that's all he's really in here for. <clears throat> or that's, that's the main reason, right? Obviously, if Archetype of Imagination gives him flying, well, now it's got evasion, so it's even better. Uh, but what we're really after is that, is that discount. I do run a Psychosis Crawler in this deck. 
So this is a, an asterisk asterisk horror creature for five generic mana. It's an artifact creature. Uh, Psychosis, Crawler's power and toughness are each equal to the number of cards in your hand. So with the amount of cantrips that you're going to see are in here later, a lot of times we're going to be replacing cards uh, that we cast because we're going to be drawing off of them. So Psychosis Crawler is just a fun way to be able to do that and, and have a big fat blocker on the board because a lot of times we are going to be we are going to hold stuff in our hand. And then again, whenever you draw a card, each opponent, each opponent loses one life. So anytime we cast a cantrip and we're drawing cards, one, two, three, however many cards we're drawing, uh, we're pinging every opponent at the board there, uh, which is which is great. Um, so I do like Psychosis Crawler in this deck as well. It's a it's a budget friendly uh, fun card for this deck. We run Sprite Noble. This is a 2-2 Fairy with Flying for 1 and 2 blue, and it reads, Other creatures you control with Flying get plus 0, plus 1, so it, it, it uh, buffs up the butts, right? Our toughness gets, gets built up. And then we can tap it to give other creatures we control with flying uh, plus one, plus zero until end of turn. So Sprite Noble's just there as kind of a, a, a buffer, right? Especially once again, we can do that with get it paired up with Archetype of Imagination, uh, you know, because now everything is flying, so now we can just use the one creature to buff all of our flyers. But if we're looking from strictly a token perspective in this deck, every token we're generating is going to have flying. So uh, all of our all of our 1-1 one, one flyers are now 1-2, and our 2-2s two are 2-3s. We can tap the Sprite Noble, and now they're 2-2s two and 3-3s, three which just, you know, it's more value for what we're generating off of our spells. Um, the card that I told you I really liked uh, that's very important with pairing with Archetype of Imagination is up next, and that's Storm, Storm Tide Leviathan. So this is an 8-8 eight, eight Leviathan with Island Walk for 5 and 3 blue. And it says all lands are islands in addition to their other types. So now it's unblockable. And it says creatures without flying or island walk can't attack. So if we've got Archetype of Imagination rendering all of our opponent's flyers useless or anything that might give them flying useless, now uh, none of their creatures can attack or block. They can't attack us. I'm sorry, can't attack. So they can't attack us. They can't attack other opponents. Obviously, this thing gets a big target on its back uh, when it's on the board. But, you know, it might give us what we need as far as, uh, you know, we can now we can swing out and not have to worry about a crackback unless the Leviathan uh, is, is removed in a timely manner. So I really like that card in combination with Archetype of Imagination uh, in, in this deck specifically. Next creature is Wavebreak Hippocamp. So this is a 2-2 Horsefish, another enchantment creature, for uh, two generic and a blue. And whenever you cast your first spell during each opponent's turn, draw a card. So this just kind of goes hand in hand, I suppose, with Nine of Hidden Coves, but also the fact that we are going to be generating a lot of value for this deck on our opponent's turns because we've got a lot of instants that we can do uh, when it's not our turn. So if we're doing that, now we're filling our hand, uh, you know, if it's not necessarily a cantrip or casting, but now it turns into one because the Hippocamp's ability allows us to draw from casting it. So I really like that. Um, it, again, that goes well with Psychosis Crawler, where when we're drawing, now we're, we're dealing one damage to each opponent at the table. So all these kind of, kind of tiny little neat interactions are, are a lot of fun. Next creature is Wind Reader Sphinx. So this is a 3-7 flyer for 5 and 2 blue. And whenever a creature with flying attacks, you may draw a card. So maybe you don't have Archetype of Imagination and your opponents have flyers too. Well, if this is on the board, when they're attacking, you're drawing cards. When your creatures, every one of them, uh, all of your tokens are going to have flying. And if you've got some way to give the non-flyers, like Guile or Murmuring Mystic or whatever, uh, flying, then you're drawing cards off them too. So Wind Reader Sphinx is just another way for us to keep keep filling our hand, because that's what we want to do. We never want to run out of gas uh, in this kind of token deck. That is really the theme, is fill the hand, empty the hand, fill the hand, empty the hand. 
etc., etc., and then find a way to get our graveyard shuffled back into our library. And we'll get into that uh, with some of the other cards that we're going to see here. The last creature is Windstorm Drakes. This is a 3-3 flyer for 4 in the blue. And it says, other creatures you control with flying get plus 1, plus 0. So this is just another evasion creature uh, that also buffs our tokens. You know, So that's that's what he's in there for. Just a, a cheap-ass uncommon that we can throw in and, and kind of help anything we've got on our board. Moving on to sorceries, we run 12 sorceries in this deck. The first one is Chart a Course. So this is uh, draw two cards, then discard a card unless you attacked with a creature this turn. So, you know, you want to play this uh, intelligently. If you're if you're really hard up, play it, uh, you know, if you can't attack. But otherwise, if you can get one in, obviously you want to play this post-combat main phase uh, so that you can get the value off of it without having to discard. Unless there's something for whatever reason you want to get in the graveyard. You know, um, that could that could be as well. Maybe just get an extra card in there for, you know, there is Treasure Cruise in here. We'll get to that later, but that will help us delve, right? Um, but I like Charter Course because it's just a great cantrip. Curse of the Swine is in here. Blue does not have great board wipes, right? When we think board wipes, uh, as far as, like, completely destroying or exiling or whatever, we're looking at black and we're looking at white. But blue has ways to handle things. And this is a great card. It's come in handy. Ask Chanel and Tiege about the, the games we've played together when I've played this deck. Um, Exile X target creatures. For each creature exiled this way, its controller puts a 2-2 green boar creature token onto the battlefield. So, I think I forgot this. Uh, casting cost of Curse of the Swine is X and 2 blue. So, that's where that Exile X target creatures comes in. So, we can get rid of Eldrazi. We can get rid of, you know, maybe something that's generating a, a whole ton of value that somebody's playing a Deathrite Shaman or, you know, I don't know, some other card that somebody's getting insane value off of. Well, now you get a 2-2 green boar, you know, um, and, and we can wipe the board that way. And maybe it's easier for us to deal with these small tutus rather than, you know, God knows what else was out there before that. So Curse of the Swine is uh, essentially a board wipe in this deck. Next, next sorcery is Deep Analysis. So for three and a blue, target player draws two cards. And most of the times we're going to be targeting ourselves, right? Unless there's some reason that we want to target an opponent, maybe politicking, maybe something else on the board that might punish them for it. We're not sure. Uh, but usually this card's going to be uh, uh, targeting us. And the nice thing is it has flashback for one and a blue and pay three life. So in a game of commander, when you've got 40 life, you know, life is a resource as well as, you know, something you need to obviously track so you don't lose the game. But you know, it's not hard to pay three three life in a game of commander, so you can get this uh, the value off this card twice, which is fantastic. Uh, next one is Flood of Tears. So this is four and two blue. Return all non-land permanents to their owner's hands. If you return four or more non-token permanents you control this way, you may put a permanent uh, from your hand back onto the battlefield. So this just lets us, uh, another, another uh, board wipe essentially, helps us kind of control what's out there. Uh, we run Mass Polymorph, so that's five and a blue. Exile all creatures you control, then reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal that many creature cards. Put all creature cards revealed this way onto the battlefield, then shuffle the rest of the revealed cards into your library. So this is a way for us, you know, if we've got a bunch of tokens out, again, it helps that we're running such a small, like, proper creature base in this deck. So if we have enough tokens out and we're like, uh, I really want to get my hands on a Guile or get that archetype of imagination out to pair with my Stormtide or or whatever we're looking to do, uh, Mass Polymorph lets us recycle tokens uh, for uh, creatures from the deck itself. And then we get to reshuffle our library you know, from all the cards that we revealed. And then boom, there we go. So we're not milling ourselves out, right? Our our library remains and it gets shuffled again, which is, which is nice. So I really like Mass Polymorph in this deck for being able to recycle our tokens, essentially. Um, one of the cards that's going to drive up the value of this 
is next and uh, as far as monetary value of the deck is, is what i'm saying here and that's ponder so this is a, a five dollar common right because it's just a great card so for one blue you can look at the top three cards of your library then put them back in any order you may shuffle your library draw a card so uh, this just allows us to you know it's a cantrip it replaces itself which is awesome uh there's a lot of value to be had through many outlets that way in this deck but then you know it also gets us a shuffle and and, and all things like that which is which is great uh we run rise from the tides so this is a card that you know i don't think i've ever run before in my life uh, but i think it has a great home here in this deck because of what we're trying to do and you know it's, it's another token generator right so for five and a blue create a tapped 2-2 black zombie creature token for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. So one thing this deck wants to do is go wide and go wide aggressively. And this is one way to do that. And, and it's really cool too, because, you know, we can recur it later, fill up the graveyard with other spells, and then boom, cast it again. And now we get a bunch more zombie tokens. Or, you know, maybe we're not getting, you know, we Tower End is, has been knocked out or Murmuring Mystics in the graveyard, or we haven't found it yet. And we need a way to generate those creature tokens that we can abuse mass polymorph. Well, this is another way to do that, uh, to help us get the other, you know, proper creatures out of our deck and onto the board. So I, I, I like that, uh, this card in this deck. I run a, a copy of Scour, all possibilities. So for one and a blue, we can scry two and then draw a card. So some more top deck manipulation and a cantrip. And then this also has flashback for four and a blue, so we can play it again later. We do run Sea Beyond in this deck. So for one and a blue, draw two cards, then shuffle a card from your hand into your library. So this allows us some, uh, you know, it's a cantrip, obviously, and then uh, uh, it allows us to manipulate the library. We can shuffle, shuffle it up, and 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 you know maybe have a chance at something else that we were looking for that we didn't get yet. We run one copy of Sleep. So for two and two blue, tap all creatures target player controls. Those creatures don't untap during that player's next untap step. So this is just a way. Maybe we're down to one v one now, and we don't have the storm tide so this is a way to insure ourselves from a one-turn crackback unless there's a bunch of hasty stuff that comes out right sleep is just a really great card i try to use it in any format that i can where it makes sense in my deck um i've i've, I've, I've always been a fan of sleep and um you know that's that's why it's in here plus it just it just works in this deck uh we run treasure cruise as i alluded to earlier so for seven and a blue uh draw three cards but this also has delve so each card you exile from your graveyard while casting the spell pays for one so we can we can delve you know any number of cards one through seven to discount the cost of the spell uh to draw three cards so again you know it's, it's fine i would i would caution you to make sure that whatever you're delving uh you don't need later because there are ways to get your graveyard back into your library so make sure it's not a card you want to use for some sort of combo or whatever reason later on but treasure cruise is just too good of a card to not have in a budget build like this last sorcery is winged words so for two and a blue this spell costs one generic mana less to cast if you control a creature with flying which with this deck we more often than not will uh draw two cards so just more ways to fill up the hand and to generate tokens and to fill up that graveyard on the instance now, we run 31 instants in this deck, uh, and there's a little bit of a, <laughs> a fun little theme here going off as far as naming conventions for the first few. First one we run is Aetherize for three and a blue, return all attacking creatures to their owner's hand. So, you know, somebody's, somebody may think they're about to knock you out, or maybe you want to lure them into some sort of a false sense of security. This is a way to blast everything that they're attacking with back into their hand. So just buys us time, right? And it, it triggers our, our token generators, and it also fills up our graveyard. 
uh, Ether Snatch for four and two blue. Gain control of target spell. You may choose new targets for it. So maybe somebody's casting a huge, you know, fireball or or whatever, um, or even you know, like a Curse of the Swine or something like that. And and you want to redirect the targets so that it's not hitting you, or you know, it's a it's a politicking piece uh, potentially as well, right? So Ether Snatch. Uh, is in this deck. The last of the Ether group here is Ether Spouts. So for three and two blue, Ether Spouts says for each attacking creature, its owner puts it on top or bottom of his or her library. So this is just another way to bounce creatures and, and get it out of there. Uh, to kind of, you know, buy us some time here, since again, we don't have proper board wipes in the black and white sense of board wipes. We do run Anticipate for one and a blue. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So more more drawing, more deck manipulation. You know, that's what that's what this is here for. And again, is is the theme across this deck. Triggers our token generators. Gotta run a copy of Brainstorm in here. So for one blue, draw three cards, then put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. This allows us to manipulate the deck a little bit, fill our hand up, and uh, you know, kind of go from there. I, I do run Chemistry's Insight because I've loved this card since it was in Standard. I I just, I, I love this card so much since it came out in uh, Guilds of Ravnica, I believe. So for three generic and a blue, draw two cards, and it is Jumpstart. So you may cast this card from your graveyard by discarding a card in addition to paying its other costs. Then exile this card. So Chemistry's Insight just has great value all around, but especially in a budget deck like this, I, I love it. We do run Commence the Endgame. So for four and two blue, this spell can't be countered, which is great. Draw two cards, then amass X, where X is the number of cards in your hand. So again, amass is the mechanic introduced in War of the Spark, where you put X plus one plus one counters on an army you control. If you don't control one, create a zero zero black zombie army creature token first. So that's a great way to get a big fat blocker down, uh, but also a way to, you know, um, draw cards. Uh, let's see what's next in the list here. Uh, commit is next. So this is a one of the one of the double cards with the the aftermath cards uh, from what Amonkhet, right? Yeah. So commit for three and a blue. Put target spell or non-land permanent into its owner's library, second from the top. So this just lets us fold something uh, back in towards the top of someone's library. And then uh, memory says aftermath. Uh, cast a spell only from your graveyard, then exile it. Uh, each player shuffles his or her hand and graveyard into his or her library, then draws seven cards. So that's a way, after we do commit, we can get memory in the graveyard, or maybe we discard it to something later, uh, you know, or whatever. Um, and and we, then we can get the aftermath uh, from our graveyard. So this allows us to get our graveyard back into our library. It's one of the ways to recycle cards uh, that we've already cast, get them back into our library so that we can cast them again. Uh, we do run counter spell. So for two blue, counter target spell. Like I said, we're not running every different version of counter spell, you know, um, Cancel, rewind, counterspell, uh, didn't say please, you know, all the all the cutesy little counterspells too. But we do run counterspell in here. There's a few ways to counterspells, uh, but it's not the main focus of this deck where we don't let anybody play. We build a huge Drake army and then we just swing out for the win. This is a little more, it's a little different than that, right? Uh, Disdainful Stroke is in here, uh, speaking of counterspells. So for one and a blue, counter target spell with converted mana cost four or greater. So this just helps us kind of, you know, if maybe somebody's got a, a finisher or a key piece to whatever they're trying to do, Disdainful Stroke helps us deal with those high CMC cards if we if we have to. Uh, Dissolve is in this deck. So for one and two blue, counter target spell, and we get to scry one, which is nice. Um, speaking of cards, you know, I'm thinking about Rise from the Tides, and here's another card that I had never run before. Uh, but I really, really like in this deck specifically, and it's another, you know, budget 
throwaway rare, but I have a lot of fun with it in this deck, and that's Epiphany at the Drown Yard out of Shadows over Innistrad. So this is X and a blue. Reveal the top X plus one cards of your library and separate them into two piles. An opponent chooses one of those piles, put that pile in your hand and the other into your graveyard. So, you know, this really... The, the, the graveyard part doesn't really matter if we know that we've got some of our graveyard recursion available to us, but this is just a fun way to kind of, uh, you know, one of the things that I like is that you separate them into two piles. So it's not your opponent isn't giving you two piles and then you usually have to pick the least shitty of the two. You can try to even them up as much as you want as far as what you think people are going to look at power-wise, and then, you know, you're going to win either way, right? Uh, which, is, which is great. Uh, we run Factor Fiction in this deck, so for three and a blue... Reveal the top five cards of your library. An opponent separates those cards into two piles. Put one pile into your hand and the other into your graveyard. So this is the opposite of Epiphany at the Drown Yard, right? We don't have control. Our opponent does. Um, and then, and then you know, uh, you choose one which pile goes to your hand and which goes to your graveyard. So at least you have the choice there. Uh, we run Foil in this deck. So for two and two blue, you may discard an island card and another card rather than pay this spell's mana cost. So discard two as long as one of them's an island or pay two and two blue. And this is a, another counter target spell. Um, Frantic Search is in here. Two and a blue. Draw two cards, then discard two cards. Untap up to three lands. So this is one of those, uh, you know, free spells, if you will, or at least spells that if you're able to pay for them, they let you untap lands after. They're not exactly free, because you have to be able to have the land to pay for them first. But, uh, Frantic Search. Again, draw two cards, then discard two cards, untap up to three lands. So this lets us draw, fill our graveyard, whatever we need to do, and then we can untap lands, so uh, we get that mana back for whatever we want to do throughout the remainder of our turn, or maybe on an opponent's turn. Uh, we run Gather Specimens. So this is a card that's kind of like on the fence for me. And in fact, I might have already replaced it with something I can't remember. Um, again, since we're trying to move here and close on a house, most of my shit's in storage right now. So I don't remember what I put in here instead of Gather Specimens, because I'm pretty sure I pulled it out to try something different. But I do like this card uh, in this deck. I know Schnell runs it in his Thada Adele. Um, you know, I don't know. What are you playing deck? So it is a cool card. It's fun. It's interesting. Uh, but I feel like in this deck, it might be a little too uh, circumstantial, like where you're just holding on to it for too long. Maybe, uh, you know, Tej has talked about it before, where there's certain cards in Magic that he doesn't like because it might lead you to play them poorly or or just play poorly because you just keep waiting for the right moment and maybe it doesn't come. Or maybe you miss it, right? Uh, based on what's going to happen subsequently. Anyway, Gather Specimens, 3 and 3 blue. If a creature would come into play under an opponent's control this turn, it comes into play under your control instead. So basically, this is a way, it's expensive, but it's a way for you to steal something somebody else is playing. So I like it, but I found myself making it way too, like, oh, I gotta wait, oh, I gotta wait, you know, because you want them, you want to have maximum value, but, um, you know, maybe there's a different card that can help you faster or better or, you know, whatever. So I'll have to look at it once we move here it's still going to be like another month probably uh, but once i have my cards out of storage i'll take a look and we'll see what um is actually in that deck in that in that place i do run impulse so for one in the blue look at the top four cards of your library put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order so again top deck manipulation draw one um move three to the bottom you know it just helps us out a lot insidious will is in this deck i really like this card in this deck it's two generic and two blue and choose one so there are three different modes you get to choose one counter target spell you may choose new targets for target spell or copy target or 
copy target instant or sorcery spell, you may choose new targets for the copy. So, you know, again, very situational, but it's a ton of fun in this deck, especially when we can recycle our graveyard back into our library, because we can just keep using this card again and again and again. This next card I know I pulled, again, I'll have to look and see what I actually swapped in for it, but this is an old card from Alliances, and this is one that was in the um, original deck list that I found that inspired me to build this deck, and that's Lotnam's Legacy. So for one and a blue, choose a card from your hand and shuffle that card into your library to draw two cards at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. So this is just a way to take a card from your hand that maybe you don't need right now or it's not going to make a big impact uh, and shuffle it into your library. And now during your next, uh, you could play this at the end of the turn previous to yours or during someone else's turn. You know, you're usually playing at least four people in EDH um, to draw on a different player's turn. So just gives us some extra value. Uh, we do run negate, so if we're one in a blue, counter target non-creature spell. This is pretty situational, but also comes in handy. There's a copy of Opt in here, so for one blue, we get to scry one and draw a card. Just a, you know, fun cantrip that replaces itself, gives us value off our token generators, and just a card that I think should be in anything that's trying to do what we're doing with this deck, whether it's Talrin running it or, or not. Um, another card in here that I think is, is interesting, um, uh, that I don't know if I want to keep in here for the long haul, or if this is another one I might remove at some point and uh, replace with something else just for, you know, shits and giggles to see what we can do, is Overwhelming Intellect. So for four and two blue, counter target creature spell, draw cards equal to that spell's converted mana cost. So again, this is one where I find myself like, okay, if I got to invest six mana into this spell, it, I got to, I got to, you know, the, the spell encountering better be worth it. It better be a big thing that's going to fill my hand up with a ton of cards to give me options, right? So... Again, this is a card where am, am I really playing it smart, you know, like intelligently, or am I hanging on to it for too long because, ooh, it, I, you know, I think I can get something better than, than what's out now. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure how long this is going to stay in there. It's fun when it works. It's a great card. Don't get me wrong, um, you know, especially for budget decks like this. But it's it's one of my one of my iffies, right? I might replace it with something down the line. We run a copy of Polymorphous's Jest. So for one and two blue, until end of turn, each creature target player controls loses all abilities and becomes a blue frog with base power and toughness 1-1. One, one. So maybe we don't have our archetype, but we know that we can swing in for a win um, with all of our flyers. We got a bunch of tokens or, you know, some of our other flyers are out on the board. Um, and we don't want our opponent, who also has a bunch of flyers, to be able to block. Well, now we cast Polymorphous Jest. All their stuff no longer has flying. We swing in for the win. That's actually how I ended um, the last game Schnell and Tiege and I played, where I played this deck, I, I think it was Schnell. I think maybe Tiege got bounced first, and then Schnell had a couple flyers, so I was able to polymorphous Jest and then swing over the top for the win. So it's a great, it's a great card uh, to kind of give us that final push we need in this deck. We run Precognitive Perception, so for three and two blue, draw three cards. Addendum, which was introduced in uh, Ravnica Allegiance. If you cast the spell during your main phase, instead scry three, then draw three. So uh, most of the time we're going to be doing this during our main phase because we want to, uh, just to get that extra value off of it. But if we're in a situation where cards are more important than waiting, then of course we're just going to pull the trigger on this You know, whenever we need to, someone else's turn, something like that. Uh, we run a copy of Pull from Tomorrow. So for X and two blue, we get to draw X cards, then discard A card. So this is another card that is gonna it's like four and a half bucks or something right now from Amonkhet. So this again, you know, like I said, the the deck prices out at about sixty-four bucks roughly right now. And between pull from tomorrow and ponder, there's almost ten bucks of it, right? So it's a very, very budget-friendly build. Uh it's a great, it's a great deck. 
Radical Idea is in here, speaking of jumpstart cards. So for one and a blue, draw a card, and then jumpstart, which again, you may cast this card from your graveyard by discarding a card in addition to paying its mana cost, then exile this card. So we get to draw twice off of it. I like it. Uh, Reality Shift. Uh, so for one and a blue, exile target creature. Its controller manifests the top card of their library. So again, maybe we want to do something with our deck because we were able to manipulate the top of it, or we're going to do it to an opponent because we just need some help. Manifesting, again, uh, that player puts the top card of their library onto the battlefield face down as a 2-2 creature. If it is a creature card, it can be turned face up at any time for its mana cost. So reality shift, again, you can choose how you want to play it. Um, you know, if you need something to, to if you want to remove something uh, that an opponent has, or maybe you want to gamble because, you know, you've been able to manipulate your top deck and you want to get something out, you can do that. Synthetic Destiny, this is another card where uh, it's an interesting card from, I think, the first Commander set. At least that's where the copy I have is from. I can't remember if it was printed, like, in, in one of the Mirrodin blocks or something like that. Uh, someone can correct me, I'm sure, here. Um, so for four and two blue, exile all creatures you control at the beginning of the next end step. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal that many creature cards. Put all creature cards revealed this way onto the battlefield, then shuffle the rest of the revealed cards into your library so this is another way to recycle tokens for uh creature you know proper creatures right from the deck itself if we uh if we want to telling time is in here for one in a blue look at the top three cards of your library put one of those cards into your hand one on top of your library and one on the bottom of your library so another cantrip that allows us to manipulate the deck when we need to we do run think twice so for one in a blue draw a card flashback two in a blue so just another cantrip that lets us, you know, activate our token generators and fill up our hand. And then we run the last instant here is Thirst for Knowledge. Two and a blue, draw three cards, then discard two cards, unless you discard an artifact card. Uh, we run six artifacts in this deck, and we're going to get to those next. So more often than not, we're probably going to be discarding, unless we've got, you know, um, one of these six artifacts in our hand, and we're going to pitch it. But I like to think that all these artifacts uh, play an important role in this deck except i guess maybe the last one um you know is a little bit more expendable i would say than the others but whatever we'll get there i'm, I'm like foreshadowing as i'm thinking and it's just not good podcasting right so artifacts six of them in this deck number one biden of thassa which is in a legendary enchantment artifact for two and two blue whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player you may draw a card so if we're going to be pinging with a bunch of little flyers going over the top uh why not get some extra value off it and draw more cards and then uh, we can also uh, essentially, not really goad, but force our, our opponents to uh, attack, right? So for one and two blue, we can tap it, and creatures your opponents control attack this turn if able. So we can just force somebody who's maybe holding something out into an attack that maybe they don't want to do. But again, we're really going for the extra drawing off of our, our going wide evasion creatures. We do run Caged Sun in this deck, so this is another card that adds... Uh, monetary value to it, right? This is six, like six fifty-ish right now, so that's about half the price of <laughs> the entire artifact chunk of this deck. It's Cage Sun, so for six generic mana, as it enters the battlefield, choose a color. Obviously, you are going to choose blue with this deck because creatures you control of the chosen color get plus one plus one, and whenever a land's ability causes you to add one or more mana of the chosen color, add one additional mana of that color. So this really helps us be able to play a lot of spells, right? When all our islands tap for two blue instead of one we can essentially double the amount of spells we may be able to play depending on, you know, 
what the casting costs are, what man is available to us, so on and so forth. Uh, the the MVP in all the times I've played this deck for me so far is is this next card. It's Elixir of Immortality. So for one generic mana, uh, you get an artifact, and for two generic, tapping it, you can gain five life, and then shuffle Elixir of Immortality and your graveyard into your library. So with all the draw spells we have, I found it's not that difficult once it's been uh, shuffled back into your deck along with your graveyard to get it back. So not only are we gaining five life every time we activate it, now we're getting all the spells we want back. And this is a um, ask Chanel and Teej about how absolutely insanely annoying this was uh, when we played our last game with this deck because it worked. It was the MVP. It, it won me the game because I just kept going and going and going. Um, oh my gosh, you know what? I know one of the cards that I... Uh, let me do a real quick... Okay, so sorcery. Yes, one of the sorceries that I have in here. Uh, this is probably what replaced, I believe this is what replaced Gather Specimens, and it's actually a sorcery, not an instant. Um, Aminatu's Augury, that in, in conjunction with Elixir of Immortality is, is where I, I won this, this game. So for six and two blue, exile the top eight cards of your library. You may put a land card from among them onto the battlefield. And then until end of turn, for each non-land card type, you may cast a card of that type from among the exiled cards without paying its mana cost. So, excuse me, Aminatu's Augury is eight, a CMC of eight. It is expensive, and if it gets countered, it hurts. But when it can go off, holy crap, it can go off. And being able to combine with something like Elixir of Immortality just makes it even that much more awesome. So... Uh, yes, that's what I did. I removed the gather specimens and I added Aminatu's Augury. That's what I know for sure. Anyway, back to the artifacts. Uh, Hall of Triumph. So, three generic mana gets you this legendary artifact, and as it enters the battlefield, choose a color. Creatures you control of the chosen color get plus one, plus one. So, this just buffs our, our tokens and other, uh, blue creatures. We do run a copy of Heraldic Banner here from Throne of Eldraine as well. So, that's also a, uh, three generic mana artifact. As it enters the battlefield, choose a color. Creatures you control of the chosen color get plus one, plus zero, which is great. And then you can tap it to add one mana of the chosen color. So it gives us mana and it gives us, uh, you know, a buffer as far as the power of our blue creatures. Last artifact, and the one I said you might be able to discard to um, uh, Thirst for Knowledge if you don't really want it, depending on when you draw it in the game, is Mind Stone. So for two generic mana, it taps for one colorless mana, and then uh, you can tap one and tap it and crack it to draw a card. So, I mean, it's a good card, right? Mindstone's in a lot of uh, EDH decks because it's a great little rock. But again, it's one that maybe late game, if you draw it and it's not going to do you much good as far as what it does, then maybe you discard it to something like Thirst for Knowledge. But again, that's all purely situational. Over to enchantments. We run four of them in this deck. The first one is Favorable Winds. So for one and a blue, creatures you control with flying get plus one, plus one, which is, uh, you know, got to buff those tokens another way. Uh, this is another MVP in this deck is Gravitational Shift. So three generic and two blue. This is from Rise of the Eldrazi, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, creatures with flying get plus two, plus zero, and creatures without flying get minus two, minus zero. So you got this on the board with the archetype of imagination, like I did, and it can do some serious work. It's a ton of fun. Uh, love, love, love Gravitational Shift in this deck. We do run a copy of Jace's Sanctum, so for three and a blue, instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one generic mana less to cast. So again, this just discounts our instant and sorcery spells, so maybe we can play more cards on our opponent's turns and, you know, really 
get some some tokens flying out from our generators and then whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell scry one so we get added value right not only are they discounted but now we can scry after we so if we're gonna if we're gonna draw you know we're playing a cantrip well now we can scry before we draw in case we don't like what's on top of the deck which is nice so i like jace's sanctum in here it's a good budget card for this deck the last enchantment is from rivals of ixalan this is kumana's awakening so for two and two blue it does have a send, so if you control 10 or more permanents, you get the City's Blessing for the rest of the game. And at the beginning of your upkeep, each player draws a card. If you have the City's Blessing, instead, only you draw a card. So we're hoping that we've had enough tokens or other things on the board by the time we play this so that our opponents don't get the value off it too. But if they do, they do, because it shouldn't be long before we've got at least 10 permanents on the board uh, with a deck like this. So that's that's it. Um, that is the, the 100 for... Tower and Sky Summoner, my ultra budget. I believe I call this deck uh, Cheap Ass Drakes is what I have it saved as. I'm going to post the ARC deck link here in the show notes so that everybody can, um, you know, see it that way. But uh, the estimated cost right now, what prices am I using here um, on this deck? Uh, looks like it's defaulting to Card Kingdom right now on ARC deck. It's $62.96. So, like I said, there's a handful of cards that contribute directly to that. Everything else is, you know, 25 cents, 50 cents, you know, whatever. Um, for, so, this deck is extremely affordable. It's extremely competitive, and it's extremely fun. Um, you know, like I said, a lot of the more competitive, uh, like, um, you know, I really want to control the game, the, the grindy, controlly, competitive kinds of this deck are far more heavy on counter spells than we are, but we just want to play cool stuff and do cool stuff, draw cards, and just continually recycle our graveyard into our library, make tokens, draw cards, cast spells, make tokens, draw cards, cast spells, all that good stuff. So that's that's the deck. Uh, you know, definitely drop us a line. Let me know what you think about it. Thank you guys for tuning in. I think the next deck tech I'll do is the Mogus one, just because I think it's really interesting. Uh, honestly, I was kind of pulling for it to win, but this deck was a lot of fun to talk about because I haven't played it in a while. And getting to kind of like relive the last few times I've played it uh, while talking about it just now made me really miss it. So I can't wait to get this thing out of storage and uh, and throw down with it again. It's a it's a ton of fun. So thank you guys for listening this week. Again, for the next few weeks, the show is going to be a little interesting. While you know I don't have a a regular permanent space from which to record, so we're going to be doing a lot of deck techs, whether they're coming from me, from Schnell, from Teach, whoever. So you know, bear with us. Thank you guys for listening every week. Please don't forget to tell a friend and rate, review, and subscribe. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, essentially anywhere you consume podcasts. Don't forget to check out our social channels. Um, we have a, a nascent Instagram account that I really need to start posting to again at Homebrew Magic. But you know, check us out on Facebook. Find our community and our group. Uh, search at Homebrew Magic. We're the only one, obviously. Find us that way. Jump in. And again, thank you guys for listening. Tune in next week for another deck tech. And until then, don't drink and scry. <laughs>